I'm Andrea, and I believe that women have the answers, that when we come together, we can create great things. So I've created this space for women to share their stories that unite and connect us. You're listening to Our Story Speaks. Welcome, friends and listeners. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful day. Today, you'll hear me speak with Mickey. We will be exploring Mickey's journey to living beyond the gender binary. As you'll hear, this conversation was difficult for me for many reasons. I didn't have a good grasp of the topic. I was caught off guard. And this was also challenging for me because the premise of my podcast is that I believe that women have the answers. I feel this very deeply. But I also feel that as spiritual beings in human bodies, we all have the answers. And when we come together, magic happens. I believe there is a space at the table for all voices, and I'm grateful to Mickey for the ways this conversation challenged my ideas around gender. I realized after our conversation that in many ways, myself and really all of us understand what it's like to hide, to not feel comfortable in our stories, to shield the world from our truths because the world isn't always safe. Conformity is where we learn to hide parts of ourselves. And I have to wonder if my own conformity makes me uncomfortable with, with someone else being their authentic self if that is in part where some of my discomfort comes from. Because I absolutely know what it's like to feel like I can't tell my whole truth, that it's not safe. I know I can relate to how, to, how out of alignment that feels and what it's like to put on a mask and do what is expected. I'm grateful to have been given the opportunity to move through a difficult conversation and for you to join us with all of our vulnerability and stumbling and bravery. Hi, today I'm here with Mickey. Welcome, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. So today um, is a very special conversation and I'm gonna start by sharing with you that I feel very nervous about having this conversation. Um, Mickey is here to share her story with us <laughs> and today um, Mickey would like to share her uh... <laughs> <laughs> so what Andrea is having a hard time sorting her mind around is that I just shared with Andrea that I don't really relate with the word woman and I have asked you to be courageous today in trying to be aware of gendered language. Mm -hmm. And gendered language is such a part of how we navigate the world. And my pronouns are zizier, and so that's challenging you outside of what has become a really automatic, something we can like rely on as we navigate communication with people. Right. That many of us are challenging, and that can be really hard when we can't rely on just being able to easily go through a conversation and refer to somebody with pronouns that are familiar. Right. And it actually shows you how mindless we are when we communicate. Like, we don't even think about it. So today we're going to talk about pushing back on gender binary terms. Is that the right word? Just the gender binary in 
entirely, I would say. Okay. Not just the terminology, because I think the terminology the is the foundation, and then mm-hmm. we'll build on it and see where we go, which I'm excited to see. Dive in. So can we start by learning a little bit more about you, about your superhero origin stories, what I like to call it? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I forgot my cape, so I'll do my best. <laughs> I, and how much time do you want on this? As much as we want. Okay. Um, so I was born in Sioux City, Iowa, and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, pretty conservative part of our country politically in many, many ways. Uh, diversity is not really embraced. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents fit well into expectations when it comes to the many binaries in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were both educators, and I have a younger sister, and then I have an older brother that I didn't realize was my brother until I was in fourth grade because he was adopted by my grandparents. Oh. So I knew him as my uncle until that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went off to college. And, oh, I flunked kindergarten. Which Me is too. an interesting part of my journey. No way. Look at us bonding. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've, I've always questioned everything. Mm-hmm. My existence has been one of questioning much. And my dad loved predictability and reputation and so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of conflict there because I challenged him in every way Mm -hmm. um and then I went off to college in Kansas which was not really stepping into the liberal life it's definitely the bible belt um which was a interesting part of my journey for sure I attained uh, a couple of degrees psychology art therapy and art education Mm -hmm. And then I moved out to Oregon, and I fell in love with this area, realized I didn't have enough education to make much of an impact, Mm because so many people are so educated out here. And so I went back to school in Michigan and attained a master's in school counseling, K through 12, and... Uh, community education or community counseling and holistic health are my educational pieces nice my journey and so what do you do now I have a private practice and uh, the majority of my clientele I'd say probably 90% are people who um, are trans either binary or Mm non-binary and um, then I work with 13 to 75-year-olds. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like good work. I love my job in every possible way. So when I first met you, we never had a conversation. It went without saying to me that you were female or we never discussed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, you mentioned to me before that some of that has changed for you recently, that you began questioning it and reconsidering the concepts around it. Will you ex- dive into that with me? It's interesting. I, I've noticed myself having a reaction when you say um, starting to push back on it recently. Oh. I think more recently I've come out to myself and my close loved ones. Mm-hmm. I think throughout my life I questioned where I fit 
Mm-hmm. I was always that person that got, I've never met a girl like you, you know, and like constantly. Um, and it, it was truly my experience that I, I didn't fit into like, what is the classic expectation of the gender that was assigned to me at my birth? So unpack that for me. What does that feel like? Help me understand that. Uh, I want to understand what. So, so the I the the things that were attached to being female. So many things of it. Like what is expected. Like um, my family decorated my room in pink, and I've always felt nauseous about pink being put near me. Right. Like as I'm unpacking it as an adult, and I can put the like wise mind of my prefrontal cortex on it it makes Mm -hmm. a ton of sense because like what is attached to pink within our culture currently and how it was marketed back then Mm -hmm. i don't want to be related to that pink frilly never fit for me like Mm -hmm. even as we're talking about it right now i get like this fiery sense in my chest of like i feel heavy I want mm-hmm. to run away. I'm feeling nauseous when I just think about the color pink and what it represents. So when you th- say, like, how does it feel? It feels like this, like, life-affirming opportunity to question the expectations that were put upon me just because of somebody going, oh, look, this is the equipment this small human has been born with. So therefore... Um, this child must be sweet and nice and thoughtful and nurturing. Mm-hmm. And, and those are all things that I definitely relate to. Mm-hmm. And then there's those other parts of like, um, and docile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listen to those that are more mm-hmm. entitled. Like, I am 16 going on 17. Mm-hmm. Innocent as can be. There's just so many messages out there about what we're expected to be mm-hmm. because we've been assigned female. Mm-hmm. So I have a follow-up question to that. Ask many. Um, so what I'm thinking when I hear you describe that is I, I can understand because I really want to understand. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's really important. I'm trying to figure it out too. <laughs> So I can understand that feeling of like angst against not fitting into what female stereotypes or expectations are. I can understand feeling that frustration around being treated maybe different, like with certain expectations because I'm the woman or the wife or the mother, like those that's frustrating. And I, but that's more around the expectations of what being female or identified as female has been for me. So my what I'm what I want to understand is like I don't even know what my question is honestly. What I want to understand more is when you think about yourself, mm-hmm. does it feel it does it feel either does it feel like neither female or male? Does That's it, a good question. Does it feel like both? Like if you were to close your eyes, like I could identify 
this is complex because like, it's like, it is, isn't it? I mean, when I try to think, break this down, like I, I, I know I have a vagina for sure mm-hmm. and that it like pushed humans out and I know what it does. And so I've identified as female because of that, yeah. but like which came first is almost the question. Like, well, and what, what makes it like, there's other people on this earth who have vaginas have pushed out children and definitely don't identify as female right that's there's there's trans men that have definitely reproduced just because one has a vagina right they don't necessarily identify as female but that to me that seems like the feeling that's happening on the inside does you know what i mean what no, i'm trying to describe well so on the inside when i close my eyes i think i feel female no. i don't know i don't feel I don't know that I'm not because I have no idea what it would be like to feel male. Does right. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Or to I feel don't neutral. Feel male either. Or to not to to feel neutral. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not really sure. Like it's I I really I'm tr- yeah. I think back to what you were saying around. Um, do you feel one or the other? Either or. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super fluid for me. And mm-hmm. there's a variety of different language out there. I mean, there's non binary, which feels very clinical. And um, it's a. Can you just um, tell me, tell us what that means? Non binary so means. So, my perception. And so, a lot of what I'm about to say, what makes it complicated, mm-hmm. is that there's so much uniqueness to the journey of mm-hmm. a trans person. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture that wants to have like, oh, here's the box. If you are trans, these are the guidelines. These are the steps you must take. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way it works. And even within these descriptions, mm-hmm. there's unique experiences of these labels mm-hmm. and language. Um, so why I'm saying that is because the way I perceive transness is there's trans and then there are the binary folks who are trans and then there's the non-binary folks who are trans. Now, some non-binary people don't feel like they identify with a trans identity. And so that's why I'm um, articulating that to make sure that those folks don't feel alienated by this conversation, which, please, I, if somebody listens to this and they have feedback, I love feedback. <laughs> Uh, Because I love to hear others' experiences around these things. Mm -hmm. So my journey, I identify definitely outside of the binary because I don't look at this monolith of what man is and woman is in our culture and go, oh, that's me, right? I've never felt like I was one or the other. Mm -hmm. I feel now what I find really intriguing about this journey is that as I allow myself to explore myself outside of the binary, Mm -hmm. I'm more comfortable with femininity, which is fascinating to me. Like I'm doing a little more like, oh, I'll do my hair. But my hair is a little more edgy now because I've like shaved off off half of it. Yeah. So it's not traditionally female. And so for so long, I like rejected naturally things that are female Mm -hmm. that I'm like unpacking this release of things that I just couldn't relate to before because I didn't want to get put into the more submissive parts of what femininity is supposed to be because that would never fit for me. Right. Um, so 
I, I definitely relate with the language of gender queer and gender fluid is the answer to the arching question of where do I fall? Mm -hmm. I feel like the other thing that I think is really exciting about language with queer identities is mm -hmm. that it's constantly evolving, mm -hmm. exciting and challenging for mm -hmm. those folks who really like predictability and rigidity, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is a challenge. And that right now, that's the language that fits. Right. Two years from now, we'll see where I'm at. Because I'm a constantly evolving human, too. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I like that this requires us to stop and be mindful and actually engage with another person in a more meaningful way. Because like you said, each person's journey is complex. It's mm -hmm. nuanced. And it is easy at times when we're busy or you're moving through your day to just, you Whatever know. Whatever pressure there is. Next, 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 next. I had somebody recently in a workshop set setting where there were 20 of us in the room say, um, oh, this is a challenge for me. I'm going to do this. Um, Mickey uh, uses Zizir. So, and then launched into her, her, she, right? Like everything this person said after that was she, her. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we, we have to like stop and breathe and think before we speak, mm -hmm. which is Hard. such a gift <laughs> and a gift really, yes. because like I know that like my life has improved so much more now that I'm more present and aware mm -hmm. and gender is an excellent opportunity. Like looking at it, this is the assignment I'm giving all of my loved ones who care enough and are brave enough to be somebody that I'm sharing my pronouns mm -hmm. with. Like notice how many times in your day you use gendered language. How many times in your day do you go into spaces that are gendered, that you don't even think about, that are unwelcoming and unsafe for those people who are visibly non-binary, mm -hmm. right? Right. And so just like that piece of slowing down and being more present mm -hmm. is such a lovely part of the journey and recognizing, huh, why did I make that assumption about some stranger? I like did a quick scan and all of a sudden I'm using her hers. So do you think, do you have any suggestions for someone who, uh, when you're meeting someone new and, and if you want to be respectful about not jumping straight to a gender identity, what would that question look like? Do you think, what would be a good way of starting the conversation so that you didn't say something default? Like, I think a good her. place to lead is to, I mean, like it, it, it's a complicated question because some situations it doesn't matter. Right? Like you don't need to know somebody's gender. Right. Right? And then there's other times when like you're doing an interview like this, I like to lead with my my own. Right? So Mickey, Zizir. If it's a situation where it is important. Now, do I do that with everybody? No, because for me it takes courage. Mm -hmm. But like and another thing that's respectful is knowing that not everybody's in a place where they want to share that with you. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you just Start incorporating in your own language awareness of gender. So if you are talking to this person and you, um, like when I'm around my small human that I get to parent, notice how I just shifted all of that from a, it's gender neutral, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not gendering the small human and I'm not gendering myself. So when I use that language, that creates safety if somebody falls outside of the binary. Mm. And not everybody's going to be ready to be like, oh, yeah, that's who I am. This is, these are my pronouns. 
because they may be really early and not have a huge community of mm-hmm. safety that they can rely on at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful practice. It's so cool. And I'm. it's so fun, actually, just how often it comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when Raven and I are out in the community, that's my small human, we will, um, if there's another person around us, Raven will go, oh, there's a people or a person, right? Yeah. Because I've really been intentional about that. And when we talk about strangers, we say, oh, that person did this. Mm-hmm. Look at those folks. Yeah. You know, just really noticing when I do fall into a gender and go, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. With kindness and gentleness with myself instead mm-hmm. of feeling like, oh gosh, I just offended and harmed that person. And which I might have. And I'm sure I have at points in my life and replacing it with something that's more neutral. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a spiritual journey. Like this is a spiritual path. Mm-hmm. It feels, mm-hmm. which is why I like Zizir. It feels much more like, a. um, it feels more spiritual. Mm-hmm. It feels really personal. I think a Z is a really, um, powerful letter. Mm. It's not used a lot. It's rare. Mm-hmm. Zebras are really cool. <laughs> Zebras are really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it is super spiritual because it, it's making me slow down and be intentional and aware. Mm-hmm. And I have the gift of my um, my community that I'm being really actively uh, engaged in commuting, com- creating community mm-hmm. around this sort of work. Mm-hmm. locally then also you know 85% of my clients I get to practice right this with them and their community because they're connected with others who use easier so I get to like practice it which is lovely it's a practice too. Oh, yeah. It, I mean it just reminds me it, it's mindfulness really mm-hmm. truly so how's the reaction been from your family would you share? Would you like to share some of that? Sure. Um, or people close to you? How how has that been for you? Well, that's funny when you say family, chosen family, chosen is where family. my mind goes. Yeah. Um, so my mother's really been funny. So I'll share there because I I haven't like explicitly named this because that's just not the way our relationship is. I mean, my mom was the last to know that, like, very directly stated to her that I did not fit into heteronormative experiences mm-hmm. um, and she has been present with me at a couple of workshops and one of the workshops that I'm talking about uh, is the anti-racism work that mm-hmm. you're aware of um, and that is a environment where you share your pronouns that's like the beginning where they're really trying to work on intentionality around that mm-hmm. um, the coordinators of these events and my mother <laughs> is like what what does this mean yeah <laughs> I don't even understand this I don't even know what my pronoun is because I lead with mine and then she's like I don't know what this means <laughs> and what's fascinating about that is that was a month ago yeah and she, she has not asked me about this has not done any follow-up I'm like what does that easier mean because I think what I'm recognizing with my mother is it takes her a while to feel comfortable with exploring something that she knows is going to be complicated Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm letting her take her own pace. And it's mm-hmm. been really cool that I got to do that in a group dynamic where I was just like, this is mine. And she gets to decide when she wants, she's ready to ask about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my wife uh, has a lot to learn. Uh, I noticed when you asked this question, I felt very nervous about answering this question because <laughs> if she listens, whoo. So I I will be as kind as possible, my love, uh, if you do hear this. Um, So her first response was, oh, no, you don't want a penis, do you? (laughs) Which we laugh, but I also was really harmed by that. Because there's a a recognition within me of how little information there is out there, Mm -hmm. even with my own life. Mm -hmm. Because, fuck no, I don't want a penis. (laughs) I've never wanted one. I don't want plastic ones. I don't yeah. want clay penises. It's not, that's not a part of my journey. Right. Um, so the fact that my wife would ask that was um, disappointing. Not disappointing because of her, but disappointing because of, oh, and I'm getting tearful as I speak to this, how much work we have to do. Yes. Um, and how much courage it takes to have these conversations with our loved ones mm-hmm. because no, I don't. And maybe that is a, a part of the journey for another human who's non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fascinating to me that that's like one's equipment is the first place somebody goes. And of course my wife clearly has an investment in me not having a penis. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's more of a reflection of like her journey as well. Um, and then I, I think, may I reveal your response? Sure. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of the response that you had of like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel totally incompetent. I feel inadequate. I feel challenged. I feel um, scared. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting part of it, which I think is awesome in the grand scheme of things, because that is such an important parallel process to what it's like to be in our world as somebody who doesn't fit in the binary. Mm -hmm. And actually, I I would love to just expand on my own reaction to it, is that I, I also don't want to do harm by saying things that are thoughtless, not mindful. And so... I think for me, my heart wants to be open and loving and kind to everyone, whatever their journey is. But like all of us, I have been totally, you know, pushed into lanes. It's one of my favorite pieces of language around anti-racism. It's like we were born into the soup. So have I. I'm swimming in the soup too. Mm-hmm. Like, how could I be cruel to you? Mm-hmm. It's intentional harm that is problematic. Yeah. But I'm not going to reveal myself and ask somebody to use the zir that I know yeah. is somebody who will intentionally harm me right. with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now, will I accidentally come out to somebody and find that that's who they are? Maybe. But there's other people, like when you say your family, there's definitely people in my family I haven't even 
no thank you. Yeah. That I'm not going there with these people because it becomes a weapon. Right. In some hands. It's not a weapon in your hands. Mm -hmm. Those that feel inadequate, actually, there's a lot. For me, my heart's just like, yes, we are. We're inadequate. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we're doing around this stuff because it's a construct that is valuable. Mm -hmm. And it harms so many of us. And some of us are saying, eh, I'm not playing anymore. You know, as uncomfortable as these really hard conversations can be, I I know because I've had to have a lot of my own hard conversations that the the other side of it is so sweet mm-hmm. that there's going to be value to be had here for us and for people who listen. Yeah. Um, it's just I'm glad that you brought your big guns today. <laughs> I was like, let's talk about childbirth. <laughs> You're like, There's a lot of childbirth out there on podcast. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think, I think one of the reasons that I went here is that um, one of the hardest parts of my journey around this is the lack of visibility. Mm-hmm. So um, as a person who's been socialized female, I recently watched a series, a Netflix series, that has all what are presented as female leads. How refreshing. Mm-hmm. How rare. There's nothing like that for not, like if there's a non-binary representation in a show, what? Yeah. Super rare. So there's nothing, like media. Yeah. And if we are presented in the media, it's pathologized. Or made. Victimization. Yeah. Comedy. Erasure. I mean, like, yeah, a monolith. Yeah. It's so the reason that I, I was like, I, I got to have this conversation because one, I don't identify with a, a mm-hmm. standing or like a foundational piece of what your podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you invited me in. And, you know, I think that that's an important part of this is having these conversations so that these conversations are being recorded mm-hmm. and we it's accessible. Mm hmm. And what an organic, teachable moment for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, you invited me because you think I'm a woman or <laughs> I identify as her. But I got to tell you, it's not. Yeah. It's not that simple. Thank you. I appreciate that you felt like you could be brave enough to share this with me. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Well, it says a lot about uh, trust. Mm-hmm. I trust you with this information. Thank you. And I trust you in a recorded situation (laughs) (laughs) so um the question i typically ask it will not even necessarily i typically ask how do you think women can support each other but what i think i want to ask is how can what do you think that people who are new to this understanding to this um these to not binary non-binary z zier what can we do to, or where can we even go with understanding more and being more compassionate in our um, language? Where would you have a start? Build community. Um, and in order to build community, recognize that, like what we've been talking about today, there's this um, movement in academia around spaces being called brave. And mm-hmm. you and I talked about this, like moving to creating a space that is safe by creating brave space. Mm -hmm. And people are able to like take risks, the potential of effing up. And um, 
recognizing, as we spoke about earlier, gendered language, mm-hmm. confronting gendered spaces. Like um, right now, in one of my safe spaces, uh, is Bikram Yoga. Mm-hmm. And they have three areas that you can change in. One is the female changing room, and I think it's like women's is how it's labeled. And there's a bathroom, and there is a um, a shower in there, and then a changing area. Mm-hmm. Then there is a men's room that has a shower and a changing area. Then there's a bathroom that doesn't have a shower, right? So when I approached about the pot- potential of changing this, the first reaction was, well, there's the non-gendered bathroom that we all share. Mm-hmm. but there's no access to a shower. So recognizing that like a space is unsafe for those that are visibly non-binary if you clearly have to challenge people's perceptions of binary or of the binary mm-hmm. by stepping into that space. So recognizing what, what space is in your life, is that true? Mm-hmm. That you have this privilege of being able to walk in there do what you got to do because at least at this point in your journey, you identify as female mm-hmm. and you were assigned female at birth. So it's an easy journey. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing gendered language, um, reading. There's some great books out there that I could recommend. Yeah, please. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Any suggestions? Do you want me to name them out loud or yeah. just put them in the show notes? So there's a book that I really dug that I listened to lately, and I'm doing all Audible right now, which is awesome. Do you listen? Yes. I yeah. love Audible. It's, I'm ravenous right now with reading. So Sissy, A Coming of Gender Story by Jacob Tobias. Tobiah, not a S on the end. Um, they, and one of the things I love about all these books I'm going to list is they um, are read by the author, mm-hmm. which is just changes the experience. For yeah, me. I agree. Um, so they tell their story, which is magnificent. Transmission, My Quest to a Beard, A British Guy, Trans Man, Alex Birdie, which is a lovely book. Um, and then another one that I think is lines up with this topic really well is The Man They Wanted Me to Be. Um Toxic Masculinity and a Crisis of Our Own Making by Jared Yates Sexton, which I love that book because it's um, it's looking at some of the stuff that we've had on very vivid display in the last few years in our culture. Um, yeah, even that phrase, toxic masculinity, I mean, that just rings true on so many levels. Yeah, well, and even... Feel that. <laughs> even when you asked me about where I fell, like, there's there's a lot of reactionary pieces within me as somebody who's been socialized female, and I have a body that is... I was quickly, as a young person, clearly sexualized by the adult men in my life, mm-hmm. in my environment, right? That, like, being assigned and fitting into that whatever whatever you would call that physical appearance mm-hmm. piece I have a real reactionary piece to the possibility of being identified with that end of the binary mm-hmm. and there's so many things that are touted as masculine that I love about myself like being handy 
Hell yeah. <laughs> being independent, being the bread earner. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's not masculine. That's human. Right. Right. And so looking at these, like where I fall is complicated because I'm, I'm dissecting it all. I'm going, what does masculine mean? Like, I can't even define that. Like, I can look it up, and when I look at it, it just feels blah when you Google. I, what do you think about this, though? Uh, I often feel that I can feel masculine energy. It's not my favorite. And, and maybe I'm gendering the energy that I'm picking up, right? I'm identifying it as masculine. Typically, I feel it coming from may, men, people who identify as male. Do you ever feel that off of my wife? Masculine energy? Uh-huh. That's interesting. Isn't it? Because it's subtle. But super masculine. I like that you just asked me that because I've never... I know what you're describing, Similar. but I, I've never articulated it. So yes, there is... Um, there is a, an edge of masculinity about her and... Or she identifies as a she still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, she does. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, there was a, I always felt like there was a soft, so, it was softer to me. The energy I was getting from her was always softer to me than like identifying as male. But yes, I know what you're describing. Well, and I, I find it fascinating energetically. I'd mm-hmm. be curious to see as you continue to dissect this in your own yeah. journey. Like, are you speaking of somebody who is ascribing more to toxic masculinity? Mm-hmm. Do you get that same feeling off of some of the the men in your life that are softer? Because I know you know soft men. Mm-hmm. I do. But is it more of a toxic masculinity that you're picking up in it, people who are cis males? who are heterosexual, who are, like, mm-hmm. dissected a little bit more. Yeah. That's, I got, like, a page of notes, people. <laughs> <laughs> I got some books to read. <laughs> yep. It's good stuff. Yeah, this is really good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you mentioned to me that you are also cre- creating some trainings around this, and this might be available in the future. Oh, yeah. So I'm working with... Um, two trans individuals, a uh, female and a male, um, James and Marcy. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to invite other voices in as well. Um, those are just the three of us are the, that are the most uh, actively involved at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be providing, well, I'm going to create a cultural humility series, and this is going to be one of them. Um, others are going to be around racism, um, and something that I am really committed to is elevating the voices of oppressed people. People who, within our culture, just don't have the same access to privilege because of the way that our binaries are set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, while well, our structures, our systems. Um, the trans training that we're going to do, we're, we're shooting to have the first one in January which I'm really excited about. There will be continuing ed opportunities. I'm filling out paperwork, which is not my strongest suit. So I'm challenging myself right now, stepping out of that comfort zone. Um, And I'm going to ideally have that set up by January. 
Awesome. Thank you. And I'll make sure uh, links to more information about that is in the show notes when it becomes available. Thank you. Perfect. So my final question today is what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I heard that from the other one. Be kind. I think that that's like if I take myself back to when I was my least grounded in myself and most performative and like most trying to um, compensate for my inadequacies, my perceived inadequacies. I was just so overextended and um, slowing down is the other thing. Like just slow down, breathe. Yeah. Notice things. Hmm. Notice the beautiful things, not just the ugly things. Mm-hmm. Um, surround yourself with people who inspire you. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been significant for me, and I really appreciate you sharing this brave conversation with me. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Mickey. Bye. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I hope you got some value out of what you heard today. You can find information about upcoming episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Our Story Speaks. You can also email me at OurStorySpeaks2019 at gmail.com. So please send me an email if you have a story to share with other women. You can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Anchor. I have excellent guests and topics in stores, so please like, share, and subscribe. Send me your feedback and leave comments. I'd love to hear from you.